Good morning, New Life. It is such a privilege to be up here today, and it's good to see so many smiling faces, and oh, this, this is beautiful. Silence is awkward, right? How did you go? <laughs> How did you feel? Good? Yeah. What were your thoughts? Were you uncomfortable? Were your hands starting to search for your phone? Did you fall asleep? Do we need to wake anyone up? We're all still here? Did you start to get worried for me? <laughs> Thank you, guys. That's beautiful. Did your mind wander to the many tasks you've got to get done today before tomorrow? Or were you able to just sit there and enjoy the moment? But before we get any further, let's pray. Thank you so much, God, that you are with us every day in every moment. And I pray that we are able to see that more and more in our own lives, that it's not just about Sunday but the rhythm of life shared with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this month we've been going through a series called Rhythms, where we've been looking at the rhythms of Jesus and how we as his disciples or his apprentices can follow in those rhythms. We began by looking at a different kind of pandemic, the pandemic of hurry, which not only makes us miss out on those beautiful, delicate moments in our own lives, but more importantly so, drains us from our relationship from God. Last week, we looked at how Jesus is a better life teacher than Mr. Miyagi. And although some of those disciplines, those rhythms can seem like a duty at times, it comes from a heart of Jesus to, for us to live a life knowing the acceptance and love of God and living to his rhythm rather than that of the world. By living in these rhythms, it creates an environment that allows for us to realise how present the Holy Spirit is in our life every single day. And the overarching question for the series has been, who are we becoming? Is it more like Jesus? This week, we're going to have a look at silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. Now, this can be a concept for many of us, it's uncomfortable. We sit down for five minutes and we start feeling guilty or start feeling like we've forgotten to do something. If we're waiting in a waiting room, our hands immediately go for our phones to try and fill the space, fill the time with the busyness and the hurry. We've taken silence and solitude and converted it to this isolation title that it never had. And we just keep bundling our lives with more noise. Yet is this the biblical example? Is this how God would have us live our lives? Where we're like a snowball being carried away in an avalanche, our minds so full of chatter externally and internally that we can't even hear our own souls, let alone the prompting of God in our lives. We're distracted, rushed and tired. Richard Foster observes, you are going somewhere. 
how much better to have a direction that has been set by communion with the divine centre. We are all going somewhere. We are all becoming someone. Is it in communion with the divine centre? Is it shared with Christ, Jesus, the one who we as apprentices can learn from? And in Jesus' life, we see a a life lived in relationship with God that permeates all of his interactions through his ministry and a pace of life that seems so calm despite the crowds crushing in, despite the expectations placed on him. A life where the voice of the Holy Spirit was greater and louder than anything or anyone else. But how do we learn from this? How do we develop a relationship with God that permeates, directs, influences and flows out of our own lives? Time. And part of this, silence and solitude. It's a practice, it's a rhythm as old as Adam and Eve walking with God in the Garden of Eden. Yet it is so foreign to us today that we dismiss it as a waste of time or a scary prospect that is too confronting. It is the intention time away with God, spending quality time with Him. The silence and the solitude is the thing that creates the environment for this relationship, away from the noise, away from the people, away from the phone, from the emails, the distractions. It's not empty isolation where we shut ourselves off from God, but it is a place where we sit with God and fill with Him in His safe and loving arms. Silence and solitude was a rhythm of Jesus. In Luke 5, 16, we see, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The but in this case is the linking statement to the previous verses where Jesus has healed a leper and his fame is growing. The crowds are becoming more and more and pressing in, demanding of him, expecting more of him. And they all have their own perception of who Jesus is and what they expect him to do. The need is high. The expectation is high. But what Jesus does, instead of scheduling more time for healing, instead of going, ah, just a few more people, he sets aside time more often with God. Because it's not the crowd who his soul needs to hear, but the voice of God who needs to be heard louder and clearer. Jesus knew this time was important. He knew that he needed to orientate his life to God's voice because his task, though he, what he was doing was great, was far bigger than what the crowd could perceive, far greater than even the disciples understood. It was God's pace, God's life, God's love and the Holy Spirit, God's will that Jesus repeatedly went back to and needed to be directed by. And we do see this in painstaking detail in the account of the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has gone to the garden with the disciples and out of the 12, he took another three just a little bit further than in Mark 14, 34, 35, we read, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. 
Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus is overwhelmed with the task before him. He knows that soon he will be arrested, rejected, mocked, tortured, killed by the cross. He seeks the silence and the solitude to honestly bear his soul, to beg the Father that this task be removed from him. It's in the silence and the solitude he is able to be raw, he's able to be vulnerable, he's able to be honest. He is true to how he is feeling. And from the relationship that's been forged through many seasons of silence and solitude, he is able to say the most incredible thing, yet not what I will, but what you will. Three times, three times Jesus needed to return to this place to the Father in prayer, both to bear his own soul, but also to accept the will of God. And this is massive. This act of surrender changed my life and it is the open invitation for us all to come into a relationship with God. God who knows us and loves us. And even as Christians, we can forget our first love, God, and what he has already done. The absolute horror of the sacrifice that sin demanded and the lavish love that was displayed in the sacrifice of the cross. In the moments with God, we can reflect on Him and who He is, listening for Him and what He has already done for us. Yet, we know that a moment with God isn't always easy. It's not easy to capture we're busy, we're overstressed, overworked, overscheduled and overcommitted. But even as we see in Jesus' life, it wasn't always easy or convenient for him either. There's a story in Mark 6. We'll look at Mark 6, 7, 13. Jesus has sent out the disciples to go preaching, teaching, healing and casting out demons. All good stuff. And they've been successful We see in verse 30 of chapter 6 that the disciples come back and they're telling Jesus of all the great things that they have done, all the great things that they've achieved. And it's been a big week, but it's been a successful week. But rather than carrying on the momentum or filling themselves up with the success of what has happened, Jesus speaks to them. In verse 31, he says, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Out of the hurry, away from the crowds with Jesus. And this is the invitation to come away with Jesus to a quiet place that silence and solitude beckons to us. Come away with Jesus. Now, this would be such a beautiful note to end on. It would be a short service too. But this isn't true to life or true, and the Bible is brutally honest. As they sail away together, the crowds find out where they're going and meets them there. This once place of silence and solitude with Jesus is now crashed by the crowds. 
And what I find fascinating is the reaction of Jesus. It's not an eye roll and a big old sigh. You know the one. It isn't even to send them away. Jesus feels compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And in this moment, the story rightfully shifts from the successes of the disciples onto Jesus and who he truly is, the true shepherd. It was Jesus who taught the crowds and the disciples. Jesus who filled their souls, the true shepherd to the sheep, to us. And the shepherd imagery is a beautiful and humbling picture It's Jesus, the shepherd, who knows his sheep, the the overseer of our lives, who knows where to step, where not to tread, what pace to go, when to rest, when to move forward, knows the dangers and the turmoils and knows us individually. Whereas the sheep, stubborn, flighty, always wants to know what's happening, have a grander sense of who they are than (laughs) true abilities and are in danger when isolated from, for predators. Remembering that isolation and separation are two different things. Isolation is a way blocked up from the shepherd where um, solitude and silence is with the shepherd, drawing in with him. Jesus is the great shepherd. And we know from the passage in Luke Jesus has formed a rhythm in his own life that included this with God. Jesus didn't wait till he was emotionally and physically spent to throw in some God time. It was a regular rhythm of his. And I point this out because the crowd, when they crashed the scene, Jesus wasn't drawing from a place of tiredness but he was able to see the moment for what it was because he had spent the moment with God previously. He was able to teach. He was able to show compassion. He was able to extend grace. Jesus was able to do this because he had a rhythm of a life spent with God. So back to the story, it goes on to describe the problem of no food being around and Jesus performing a miracle of feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. It's pretty great, but it's been a long day and it's been full of interruptions. So Jesus sends the disciples in the ship to go off. He then dismisses the crowds and in verse 46 we read, after leaving them, He went up onto a mountainside and prayed. Now, after a big day, all I want to do is sit on the couch and mindlessly watch whatever's in front of me. It's just the easy streaming service, social media, the mindless chatter, the easy, low effort thing to do. But the problem with that is it leaves my soul in exactly the same dried out condition that it's already in. It just presses pause on the situation. Coma puts it this way. The first thing we lose is unhurried time to just sit with God in the quiet, to read, uh, to pray, to read a psalm, take an internal inventory and let our souls catch up to our bodies. I love that last part. 
When we look at Jesus and his ministry, we see that he cherished the time spent with God. Rather than being the last thing on his mind, it was the first. And as we saw in Mark, he fought and organized for this time. Jesus, the great shepherd, needed the silence and solitude, time spent with God to fill his soul with the Holy Spirit, to allow him to live separate from everyone else's rhythms, but in the rhythm of God and what God was telling him. Jesus, our shepherd, lived in this rhythm. How do we as the sheep expect to live any differently? Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray. Now, in our culture, stillness and solitude can be regarded as a waste of time. We're too busy for that. So we flog our physical and emotional beings and we leave our, soul, our souls behind only to feel like we're just surviving, only able to give the bare minimum to the ones we love. Our pace, our rhythm is set by work that needs to be done, the kids that need us, the assignment that's due in, the help that we're giving or the listening ear that someone is beckoning for. This is not bad stuff, but it will keep demanding. It will keep drawing from us where the invitation by Jesus is to come away with him and find rest, to find a different pace and to live with God, to trust God, not only with our souls, but also our schedules. But what is silence and solitude? The short answer is time spent with God free from all other distraction. It's away from the noise, away from the people, away from the social media, away from the work that might be in eyeline, the multiple tasks that we're trying to tick off in our list. It's to be still and more importantly, to listen. And it's creating the environment that you're able to do that in. Now, in terms of what happens during the time, yeah, that's a little bit more undefined. It might be Bible reading. It might be meditating on a verse. It might include prayer. It might be reflecting on who God is and what he's already done for us. It might be time for us just to sit and look below the surface of our own heart and take an internal inventory of how we're really doing, what our fears and our disappointments might have been. Might even be goal setting for what you want for the year. It is with God listening for his voice. Now it's not only silence of the environment, but it's also the silence of our mind. You know those thoughts that, oh, squirrel, and your thought is darting from one angle to another angle. But it's where we're quietening that and we're placing God's voice, our relationship with God above all other noise, where we're seeking our shepherd. It's not with an agenda like a business plan, but it is in relationship with our loving God, our shepherd who knows us. So practically, how do we do this? Well, this might look different for each and every one of us. But the biggest thing, set the place and the time. The when, the where, and the how long. 
at the start, we might need to allow for a bit more time to learn how to be silent, to return our wandering thoughts back to that place and give ourselves the grace to be able to do that. It might be extra time to allow for the exploration of our own souls and what's happening down in there. But it is mostly time to welcome in God to fill that space that we usually fill with mindless chatter, YouTube, Netflix, all those chores, all those other distractions. Generally, while we're sitting in this beautiful spot away from the crowds with Jesus, there'll be this sudden surge of adrenaline and all of a sudden our minds go, I need to get on with my day. In that moment, I would love for you to ask, will I be directed by the noise of life or by the shepherd who beckons for me to come away with him? And rest. This isn't a time to be measured as a failure or a success because time with Jesus is never a waste, nor is it a consumable that we can measure by a key performance indicator. There might be times where this is easy to do, and other times where we can barely sit for 10 seconds without fidgeting or our minds wandering off to what's going on. But remember, we're building a relationship. That's what it is. And that's okay. Now, when we are listening for God, it mightn't be an audible voice. It might just be a prompting. It might be a person who pops into your mind that you need to pray for. It might even be an emotion that bubbles up that you've been trying to avoid for a really long time. But the more we listen, the more we learn the voice of our shepherd, the more we're able to hear in our day-to-day as well. Now, I am avoiding any specific time frames here for a specific reason. Who knows what it's going to look like? But set the time. Think of it as building into your relationship with God. That's the overarching picture. This might need you to be creative. If you're husband and wife, take turns looking after the kids. Go off for three hours or so and do it for each other. If you're a single parent, it might be involve family member, friend or babysitter. If you're a busy student, don't forget to do this in the holidays. If you're just a flat out person with a schedule that's more scheduled than, I don't know who's a really scheduled person, but that person... <laughs> Book a time and don't double book. And don't forget the moments in the day where we can practice these, where we can incorporate silence and solitude into our daily lives. It might be five or ten minutes before you get out of bed or before you go to sleep where you just listen. It might be the minutes in the car ride before you turn on any other device or radio where you just sit and listen. And although it's not strictly a physical solitude, it might just be when you're waiting and your fingers start itching for the phone. Rather than grabbing for it, use that as a prompt to sit and think, hi God, and just listen. 
Practice the internal silence and solitude, which is inviting the awareness of God in our day-to-day because he is already here. Now, this sounds extreme, but we are surrounded by the noise of society all day, the noise of companies, of social media, of the news, demanding our attention. Beyond that, our normal daily life demands, the job, the kids, the family, the friends, the study that's getting harder. We can easily think we are too busy for this or too tired for this. However, in Jesus, we see how important silence and solitude was to him. And we also see our shepherd who's asking us to come away with him and rest. When we think of this time as relational time with God, a yes to the beckoning voice of Jesus to come, silence and solitude is a beautiful thing. Life still happens. Interruptions are not unusual. It is easy to be carried away by the pace of the world for the chaos to drain our souls. Yet Jesus, our shepherd, shows us we can live from a space that while there might be chaos all around us, our soul can know the peace, the pace of God, the love of God, and we can trust in Him because we can live a life spent with God, a life following our shepherd, becoming more like Jesus. Now, before the band gets up again, I want a moment where we can try this out. Safe space. Two minutes where the band isn't up quite yet. No, we'll just please no talking. If the kids run around, that's okay. But a moment, if on a piece of paper you can write down one thought, that prompting that you might experience, the person you want to pray for. But listen. See where your mind goes. See what happens. And before we do this, I'll pray. Thank you so much, God, that you beckon for us to come away with you, to know your pace of life rather than the pace we've been set by others. Thank you, God, that you know our hearts and what we need. And I pray that we learn your rhythm and we know your love deeper in these moments. And we're able to live out of a life that knows you better, that grows more like Jesus and knows that you care and that we're able to express this through our lives. Lord, I pray that in this moment that you will move powerfully, that even if there is just silence, that it will be a moment that is spent with you and that is a moment never wasted. We pray for your covering. We pray for your guidance. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to move.